Well, if you would turn with me this morning to the letter to the Hebrews from chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're continuing our study in this chapter, which we started last week. Hebrews chapter 11. And we're reading, we'll read again from the beginning. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Then the verse we're considering today, verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. It's often said that as parents, we want the best for our children. And you know, it's so true. As those who have had the privilege of being a parent, that we want the best for our children. We want them to have the best upbringing, the best health, the best manners, the best education, the best group of friends, the best opportunities, the best care and help in life. As parents, we want the best for our children and we want them to be the best they can be. We want our children to be healthy, happy, and we want them to do well in life. But of course, our desire above all these things should be that our children are brought up to know Jesus Christ. Because giving our children the best start in life, it's not done through education or holidays or money. Giving our children the best start in life is by telling them about their need to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And you know, I'm sure that the first parents, Adam and Eve, I'm sure that they wanted the best for their children. But the world that Cain and Abel were brought up in, it was very different to the world that Adam and Eve were created into. Adam and Eve, they had witnessed a lot of changes before they started a family. They had disobeyed their creator. They had witnessed sin entering into the world. They had seen the effects of sin with the curse upon all of creation. They had noticed thorns and thistles now growing up from the ground, a ground that had been cursed. Adam experienced hard labor. It wasn't there before. But he experienced hard labor trying to produce a crop because God had promised to Adam that by the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread. But before Adam and Eve started a family, there were two things that they had never experienced. Suffering and sorrow. Before their first son Cain was born, Eve had never experienced the pain and suffering of, of giving birth. Which was another reminder of their sin against God. Because God had said to Eve, in pain you shall bring forth children. And it wasn't until their second son, Abel, until he was born that Adam and Eve would discover the pain of sorrow. As the first parents, Adam and Eve wanted the best for their children. But they could never have foreseen that their eldest son, Cain, would murder his younger brother, Abel. 
And as parents, the pain that they must have felt and the heartache and the sorrow that they would have experienced, it must have been almost unbearable. And inevitably, Adam and Eve, they would have blamed themselves for for Cain's actions. And in one sense, they were to blame because their disobedience had brought sin into the world. And the result was that their firstborn was a murderer and their secondborn was a martyr. Cain, the firstborn, he was a murderer. Abel was the first martyr. And you know, it's clear from the passage that we read in Genesis 4 that Abel was put to death because of his faith. And it's Abel's faith that the writer to the Hebrews commends in this chapter. He commends his faith as righteous. And as we said last week when we began our study of this chapter, we said that Hebrews 11 is all about answering the question, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? What does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? And we said last week that faith in Jesus Christ, it involves confidence in Jesus Christ, it involves conviction about Jesus Christ, and it involves commitment to Jesus Christ. But as we consider the faith of Abel, we're being reminded that faith is not just about our head. It's also about our heart. Faith is not only about our head. It's also about our heart. And there are three things I'd just like us to draw out from this verse. In verse 4. A suitable sacrifice. A special statement. And a surprising speech. These are the three things. A suitable sacrifice. A special statement. And a surprising speech. So if we look first of all at a suitable sacrifice. We're told in verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. And you know, we don't have to go far into the pages of the Bible to find out what sin looks like and what sin does. Uh, We see it in Genesis chapter 3. Sin is disobedience against God's law. Sin is falling into the temptations of this world. Sin brings pain and sorrow. And then in Genesis chapter 4, we saw sin in its ugliest form, death. And you know, it's no wonder that the Apostle Paul, he said, the wages of sin is death. But Paul, he didn't leave it there because he said, the wages of sin is death, but but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul says that the gift of eternal life Through Jesus Christ, he says that that gift of eternal life, it's given to us when we walk by faith and when we worship by faith. The gift of eternal life is given to us when we walk by faith and worship by faith. And you know, what the book of Genesis emphasizes to us is that we weren't created to die. We were created to live. Our purpose is not war. Our purpose is worship. Our chief end is not to glorify and enjoy ourselves. Our chief end, man's chief end, as you were all taught in your youth, our purpose in life is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And you know, the narrative of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, it's all about reminding us of our chief end. That we were created to honor and serve 
our creator. We were created to be faithful and obedient to God's word. We were created to worship God. But our worship of God, as Genesis 4 reminds us, it's not according to our standards. It's not according to our feelings or our fancies or what we think is suitable. No, our worship of God is to be according to what he commands. Because worship is all about giving God worth. And if we believe God to be worthy of our worthship, then we will worship him in a way that he has prescribed in his word. But you know, if we worship God according to what we feel is right, and what looks good and sounds good and maybe is attractive to the world, then we're missing the point. Because it's not what God has asked for. God has asked to be worshipped in a prescribed way and in a prescribed manner. And failure to do what God has commanded, it is disobedience and it's sin. It's idolatry. Because when we put our desires and our wants and our thoughts and our feelings, when we put these things before God, we, we are making ourselves the object of worship and not God. And as I said, that's what Genesis 4 is all about. It's all about who we worship and how we worship. Because in Genesis 4, we read that Cain worked the ground and Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a farmer, Abel was a shepherd. And then we're told that in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Now what's interesting is that the phrase in Genesis 4 is in the course of time. That refers to a particular occasion for worship. It could have been an occasion of thanksgiving or whatever it was. It was an occasion of worship to the Lord. And so Cain, he brought the fruit of the ground and Abel, he brought one of his firstborn from his flock. Cain, the farmer, brings to the Lord his offering. Abel, the shepherd, brings his offering. And we're told that the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, the Lord had no regard. And the word regard, it means that it was pleasing in God's sight. And so Abel's offering was pleasing in God's sight, but Cain's offering was not pleasing in God's sight. And this immediately raises a question, well, why? Why? Why was God pleased with Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? There's no explanation given in the narrative. And when you read it, it almost seems unfair. That God would accept Abel's sacrifice and reject Cain's sacrifice for no reason. But there was a reason. There's always a reason. In fact, there were two reasons as to why Cain's sacrifice was rejected. And the reasons are very clear and very important. The first reason Cain's sacrifice was rejected was because it wasn't an animal. And that might seem even more unfair because Cain was a farmer. He wasn't a shepherd. He wasn't like his brother. Why was he going to bring a sheep or a lamb to God? But that's not the point. Cain knew what pleased God. Cain knew how to worship God. Cain knew that the sacrifice of an animal was acceptable to God. Cain knew that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 
But how did Cain know? Who told him all this? His parents told him. His parents told him. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, and when they discovered that they were naked, it was God who clothed them. And God clothed Adam and Eve with, as it says in in Genesis 3, he clothed them with the skins of animals. Which means that animals were sacrificed, blood was shed, in order to clothe Adam and Eve. And what Adam and Eve learned very quickly was that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And as parents who wanted the best for their children, they would have taught this important lesson to their two sons, Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve would have instilled in their sons the importance of worshipping God correctly. As parents, they would have taught their children by their own example, so as to ensure that they wouldn't go astray, that their children wouldn't go astray from following the Lord. And you know, what's the application here? My unconverted friend, there are many of you here today who were brought up in a Christian home. You had Christian parents. Maybe they're not still living. But these parents, they wanted the best for you. And they did their best in teaching you the Bible. And teaching you how to pray and the importance of prayer and the importance of coming to church. My friend, you've been brought up with many privileges. And like Cain, you should know better than to worship God by your works. You should know better than to think God will be accepted by your efforts. You should know better than to come before God with your hands and not your heart. And you know, that was the second reason Cain's sacrifice was rejected by the Lord. Cain thought that he could please God by his works. Because although Cain presented to God the fruit of the ground, Cain knew from his parents that the ground was cursed. And because the ground was cursed, Cain should have known that the ground was unacceptable to God. It was unfit for worship. It wasn't what the Lord wanted. Because the only suitable sacrifice to God was the blood of an animal. And yet despite what he knew was right, and despite what he had been taught, despite what he had been brought up with, Cain still thought that his efforts and his work and the sweat of his brow in producing a crop Cain still thought that that would be enough to please the Lord. My friend, friend, Cain offered the works of his hands. But Abel offered the work of his heart. Cain offered the works of his hands. Abel offered the work of his heart. And that was the difference. Abel knew that by his faith and obedience, offering an animal would please the Lord. But Cain thought that by his works and his efforts, what he did before God, he thought, well, surely that's enough to please the Lord. And the Lord rejected Cain's sacrifice. Why? He honoured God with his lips, but his heart was far from him. He honoured God with his lips, but his heart was far from him. My friend, the reason God rejected Cain's sacrifice was because Cain was a hypocrite. Cain sought to worship God his own way. But his heart was far from God. 
Cain was a hypocrite. In fact, it was Jesus who described Cain as a hypocrite. He describes him as a Pharisee in Matthew 23. And Jesus describes the Pharisees as those who murder many of the Lord's prophets. And Jesus regards Cain's brother Abel as a prophet. And Jesus says in that passage about the Pharisees, he says, you hypocrites, you do well. Because this people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You worship me in vain, he says. And later Jesus said to the Pharisees about their hypocrisy. How are you going to escape being sentenced to hell? That's what he says. My friend, the reason God rejected Cain's sacrifice was because Cain was a hypocrite. Cain honoured God with his lips, but his heart was far from him. And you know, when you come to the opening pages of the Bible, from the opening pages, my friend, you're being warned that God isn't pleased by hypocrites. God isn't pleased when he's given lip service and not heart worship. God isn't pleased when you worship him with your lips and not with your heart. And he says that if you continue in your hypocrisy, Jesus wants to know, how are you going to escape being sentenced to hell? Because if you think, if we apply this, if you think that your church attendance or your good works or your, the things that you do for the church, if you, your good living, if you think that these things will please God, then you're sadly mistaken. Because this chapter in Hebrews 11, it explicitly states that without faith, it is impossible. It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith in God's suitable sacrifice, Jesus Christ, you cannot please him. Without confidence, without conviction, without commitment to Jesus Christ, you cannot please God. So what's the outcome? You must commit your life to Jesus Christ. It's the only way to please God. So a suitable sacrifice. Secondly, a special statement. A special statement. It says in verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. So we said earlier that Cain was the first murderer and his brother Abel was the first martyr. And Abel was the first martyr because he was put to death for his faith. And it's clear from Genesis 4 that when the Lord rejected Cain's sacrifice, Cain was angry. But before Cain became angry with his brother to the point that he wanted to kill him, we saw that Cain was angry with God. And you know, the Lord was so gracious with Cain because he asked Cain, why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And what's remarkable is that the Lord was giving to Cain a second chance. 
The Lord was offering to Cain the opportunity to worship him correctly and present to the Lord a pleasing sacrifice to him. In fact, the Lord was asking Cain to change his ways. The Lord was asking Cain to repent of his his hypocrisy. He was asking Cain to worship him by faith. And you know, it's a wonderful moment because the Lord is holding out to Cain the free offer of the gospel. And the Lord gives Cain this renewed opportunity to be made righteous before God by faith. But with this gospel offer comes a warning. The warning that sin is crouching at your door. Sin is ready to get in. Satan is ready to have you. If you reject this offer, you will be overcome by its power. And you know, my friend, God is so gracious. He's so patient. He's so merciful, so forgiving, so loving, that he would give Cain a second chance and offer to to him another opportunity to commit his life to the Lord by faith. And you know, for you, Here today, as someone who is still not committed to Jesus Christ by faith, is that not what you're being given today? Are you not being given a second chance? Maybe this isn't even your second chance. Maybe it's a 100th chance. You've been offered it so much and for so long. But are you not being given a renewed opportunity to commit your life to Jesus Christ by faith? My friend, the Lord has been so gracious and so patient and so merciful and so forgiving and so loving towards you that would it not be better for you to do well by taking him up on this gracious offer of forgiveness, the offer of cleansing, the offer of salvation? Would it not be better for you to do well and accept what he's offering to you? But maybe for you, Like Cain, would it not be better for you to do well than to remain angry with God? You might be angry with God about something that happened in the past. You might be angry because of the loss of a loved one. You might be angry because of an illness that came into your life or into someone else's life. Or a difficult providence that you've had to deal with. But I I assure you today, my friend, all these things in your life, they are not to make you turn away from God. They are there in your life to make you turn to God and worship Him and depend upon Him and live for Him and love Him. Because this is the amazing thing about the Lord. The Lord wants you to worship Him. The Lord wants you to follow Him. The Lord wants you to walk with him. The Lord wants you to commit your life to him. The Lord wants you to know him. So don't reject the offer. Don't remain angry with him. Commit your life to the Lord by faith. Commit your life to him. And see what a wonderful life it is knowing Jesus. And following Jesus and trusting in Jesus. But you know what we see here is that Abel, he is commended for his faith. Because his faith was evident by his actions. And the word commended that's used in verse 4. It means to bear witness or to testify. It's, it's a legal word. It's a language of the courtroom. Where a person he's been called to stand to give evidence to what they've seen. And they're to bear witness. They're to testify. They're to give testimony in order to prove that the evidence is genuine. 
And that's what's being said about Abel. He was commended as righteous. He bore witness that he was righteous and he testified to the genuineness of his faith by the evidence of his actions. In other words, Abel was righteous because by faith he presented a suitable sacrifice that was pleasing to God. Abel bore witness to the fact that he was righteous because he was confident, convicted, and committed. And this is what we said last week. That all those who lived by faith, just like Abel, they lived their life looking to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because they were confident that Jesus is who he says he is. They were convicted that Jesus is trustworthy. And because of this, they committed their life to Jesus Christ by faith. The outworking of their confidence, conviction, was commitment. And you know, the same was true for Abel. The outworking of his faith, the evidence of his faith, the genuineness of his faith, it was demonstrated by his actions. Faith, his faith responded in obedience. Abel worshipped God the way that God had commanded and he was commended as righteous. Abel was made righteous through faith, declared righteous by faith. That's what the Lord's special statement was about Abel, that he was declared righteous through faith. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And you know, this being commended as righteous by faith, that's the whole emphasis of the Bible. That we can only be made righteous in God's sight by faith in Jesus Christ. We can only be commended as righteous before God by our commitment to Jesus Christ. Our faith has to be outworked in our commitment. Faith has to have action, has to have movement, has to have doing. It can't just sit. It can't just sit and hear it week by week. There has to be a response. There has to be action. There has to be movement. And you know, we're told here in verse 4 that God commended Abel as righteous by accepting his gift of sacrifice on the basis that it was offered by faith. God accepted Abel's sacrifice because he was made righteous by faith. So the reason God rejected Cain's sacrifice was because he sought to make himself righteous by his works. And you know, my friend, in the opening pages of your Bible, you meet the first two people born into this world, Cain and Abel. And these two men, they represent to you the two types of people who are born into this world. Those like Cain, who seek to please God by their works, or those like Abel, who seek to please God by their faith. The only problem is those who are like Cain, which are many of you in here, the only problem is you will never be acceptable to God, you will never be made righteous, you will never be saved until you humbly commit your life to Jesus Christ by faith. I cannot put it to you any clearer 
I cannot say it to you any clearer. You will not be saved until you commit your life to Jesus Christ by faith. And so in this verse we see a suitable sacrifice, a special statement, and lastly, a surprising speech. A surprising speech. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The closing words of this verse, they remind us that even though Abel was murdered by his brother Cain, he still speaks. We read in Genesis 4 that when Cain killed Abel, the Lord said to him, Where is Abel, your brother? And then Cain, he denied all knowledge of his brother. He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said to him, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And you know, it's quite a statement. The Lord heard the innocent blood of Abel crying to him. From the ground. But you know it was Jesus who said that Abel's blood it cried out because his blood was righteous blood. Cain's blood was religious blood. It only wanted to please God by his works. But Abel's blood was righteous blood. And you know Cain, Cain was his religious blood. He wanted to please God on his terms. And the Lord knew that because the Lord knew his heart, which is why the Lord rejected Cain's offer. And as we said earlier, Jesus described Cain as a hypocrite and a Pharisee. Because the Pharisees, they murdered many of the Lord's faithful prophets. And Jesus, he described Abel as a prophet. So Cain was the Pharisee, Abel was the prophet. And this is what's interesting because the role of a prophet was twofold. A prophet was not only to foretell what would happen in the future. A prophet was also to foretell the Lord's message in the present. And Abel, he certainly did that. But he did it through his death. Because when Abel was murdered, his blood, it cried out. His blood prophesied. His blood foretold. His blood spoke a sermon. And it was a sermon about the need to have faith in Jesus Christ. And that we can only be truly saved when we trust in Jesus Christ. We can only truly worship God by faith. We can't worship God according to our own imagination and our own desires. We can't do it that way. We have to worship God by faith. But you know, this is what I love. Abel's blood, it not only preached a sermon. It not only foretold. It also foretold. Abel's murder by a Pharisee and the shedding of his innocent blood it foretold about the murder of one of his brother's descendants. Abel's blood foretold about the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. My friend, Abel's innocent blood as it cried out from the ground it foretold about the innocent blood of Jesus Christ. And I say all this because when you go into the next chapter, in chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 24, we're told, the writer to the Hebrews tells us to come 
to Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. Why? Because his blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. His blood speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And what the writer to the Hebrews is reminding us is that the blood of Jesus, it's still speaking. The blood of Jesus is still speaking. The blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary for sinners, it's still crying out to us. It's still preaching to us. It's still proclaiming a message to us. What a message it is. Because it's a message of cleansing. A message of forgiveness. A message of reconciliation. A message of peace with God. My friend, the Bible is reminding us today that the blood of Jesus is still speaking. And it's speaking directly to you. The blood of Jesus is speaking to you. But the question is, are you listening? Are you listening to what the blood of Jesus is saying? Are you listening to the voice of Jesus' blood speaking to you and reminding you that you need to be saved and you need to be cleansed and you need to be washed as white as snow? That you need to come to this Jesus because there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood. What? Lose all their guilty stains. My friend, you need to come to this Jesus. And that's what this whole letter is all about. The writer to the Hebrews says that the blood of Jesus, it's still speaking. It's still speaking. So you need to come to this Jesus. But notice what he went on to say in verse 25 of Hebrews 12. He says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them while he was on the earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who now warns us from heaven. Jesus is still speaking. He's still speaking. But are you listening to his voice? My friends, see to it that you listen to him, that you respond to him by committing your life to Jesus Christ. Because today, if you hear his voice, do not, do not harden your heart. Respond in commitment. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee that that Jesus is still speaking. And we pray that we would have ears that are open to hear His voice. And that we would respond to what we hear. That we would commit our life to Him. That we would come to this Jesus on bended knee, saying like the publican, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. O Lord, we need that cleansing. We need to be washed as white as snow. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, open our understanding and help us to run to this Jesus and to keep looking to him every day of life, knowing that he is the author and he remains the finisher of our faith. Bless us, Lord, we ask. Continue with us and take away our iniquity. Receive us graciously, for Jesus' sake. Amen.
We shall conclude our service this morning by singing to God's praise in Psalm 51. Psalm 51, page 281, if you're using the blue psalm book. Psalm 51. We're singing from verse 7 down to the verse mark 10. In the psalm, of course, it was David's prayer of repentance. He was asking the Lord for forgiveness. And he says in verse 7, Do thou with hyssop sprinkle me. That means wash me with blood. The hyssop branch was always sprinkled with blood. So do thou with hyssop sprinkle me. I shall be cleansed so. Yea, wash thou me, and then I shall be whiter than the snow. Of gladness and of joyfulness, make me to hear the voice, that so these very bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. All mine iniquities blot out, thy face hide from my sin. Create a clean heart, Lord, renew a right spirit, me within. These verses of Psalm 51, to God's praise. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.